Put it in the lead column. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby, yeah, baby. This is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour going. It is Friday, November 3rd, and we're underway on Flames Talk. Steinberg along with you from the Scotiabank Saddledome, and it's time on a Friday for the Eric Francis Hour. Let's get it going. The Eric Francis Hour brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18-plus. Please play responsibly. Yeah, it's Steinberg and uh, my uh, driving buddy, uh, Sportsnet's Eric Francis, joins us as well. Hello, franchise. How we doing? I'm excellent, my man. How are you? Uh, you sound uh, you sound like you were at an event on Thursday night. I don't know what event that might have been. You just sound <laughs> like maybe you were out late. That's all. I was indeed out late. That Joey <laughs> Chestnut doesn't say no to anything. That guy just... <laughs> Anyone buys him a drink, offers him some pizza, doesn't matter what it is, that guy. If it's ingesting, he is a yes, hey? He, he wants to just keep going and keep going, and yeah, it was a, it was a late one, that's for sure. That <laughs> guy cool. is a legend in a lot of ways. It's uh, it's good that you were it's good that you were a hundred percent before you had the late night, right? Like you were fully full health, a hundred percent. You weren't fighting anything at all. No, I, we've been joking about that. I mean, something's <laughs> going around, right? We're all kind of fluey these last handful of days, and uh, then the last thing I needed was uh, about ten pounds of pizza and however many gallons of rum, rum and coke. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was a great a great night. It raised a lot of money for kid sport and. Uh, I really thank everybody who came out and supported the Pizza Pig Out. It was a it was a rousing success, and it was only about an hour afterwards as we're sitting there reflecting on the evening. I'm like, well, what do we do for an encore? We just brought in the goat, the greatest eater of all time, threw down a ridiculous amount of pizza. I guess we'll talk about that later. But yeah. and uh, you know, what do you do next? Who do you bring in next? Gretzky? I don't know. Like you know, Tom Brady? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Well, let's uh, we we can brainstorm on that later. I like that idea. As uh, you know, it's it's interesting because you and I, you and I were were both up there for the Heritage Classic. Uh, you, uh, Aaron Vickers, and uh, and I drove back on Monday morning, and here we are Friday, and it feels like we've had like six and a half weeks of news since they've gotten back yeah. from Edmonton because they lose the game on Wednesday against Dallas, and that makes it six in a row. So the start continues to be an absolute nightmare for this team. You've got all the the recalls and the roster moves and the transactions, which we'll get to later on this hour, and then you've got the big picture stuff franchise like we've been talking for the last week or so about this team dialing back on on some of the contract talks and 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 now we know that for the time being uh you know conversations with Noah Hannafin conversations with Elias Lindholm have been put on hold on both sides and all of a sudden you know one week ago we were talking about it feels like this team could be approaching a crossroads well one week later my man it, it feels like they are at that crossroads yeah, and I, I found, to be honest, I, I, I think the transactions we saw today, you know, kind of speak to that. I mean, I think this team really wants to see what it has uh, in the organization. This was something I know Craig Conroy was pushing very hard for last year, kind of, you know, behind the scenes. You know, everybody kind of wanted Daryl to, to play these young guys, Matthew Phillips and Jacob Pelche more, and Daryl just wouldn't play them. And uh, it was really frustrating for the general manager, and ultimately that's, part of the reason why the general manager ended up leaving. 
But you have a situation where now this GM is in charge. He's saying, I want to, pl- I, we need to see everything we have. Martin Pospisil is going to make his NHL debut tomorrow. 99% chance. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, they, they brought up, that'll be the third NHL debut for a Calgary Wrangler or someone in the flame system in the last nine days. That, yeah. That's pretty third, incredible. Th- third time in four games. Right. And, and people want to see it. People in this city are excited to see it. People in the organization are excited to see it. They're not all going to be winners like the, the night, the other night when Zari was the star of the game. I mean, that, that those are just those beautiful moments. That was kind of similar to the moment that I witnessed in Washington earlier this year when Matthew Phillips was the star of the game, but that was against the Flames. But still, my point is people all cheer for these young guys to come in and make an impact. You don't get a very big window to make an impact, and when you get that, you're hoping that they make the most of it. So the fact that these guys are all getting called up and, and Coronado's getting sent down, that's somewhat significant too. That speaks to, all of it speaks to me that, yeah, of course, every game is important and they got to win every game. They got to snap out of the six game losing streak. But what's most important at this point in time, at this perilous point in their situation, is they get, they take stock of everything they have. So yeah. as they move forward, and start making trades and, and picking up draft picks and, and and acquiring players. They know what they're looking for, what they have, and what they need. And I think I think that's great. I, I know a lot of people wish that was happening last year. But, you know, in Daryl's defense to some degree, they were fighting tooth and nail every single game to stay in a playoff race last year. And, the you know, Daryl's thought is I, I don't trust these young guys i don't know them i'm not familiar with them i don't trust them right and in some cases he didn't he just flat out thought he didn't think they were nhlers and so he wasn't putting them in the lineup he would rather have a trevor lewis in there and that was you know that's the way he wanted to go about his business the way he always has gone about his business this year it's not that way they're they're almost forced because of the salary cap and, and the way their roster is they're forced to play young guys in situations where daryl would never have wanted that to happen so it's a it's a totally different mindset, and I think people are ready for it. Do you do you get the sense that the organization is ready for it? And and what I mean by that is, okay, I think that we've got a pretty good idea that if they haven't fully pivoted, the, the, then they're they're pretty close to making the pivot to yeah, you know what, may, maybe signing Noah Hannafin to an eight year deal, or maybe signing Elias Lindholm to an eight year deal. Maybe with what we've seen to start the season, that's not the the most advised direction to go. Do you think they're ready to make the type of trades that a lot of people, I don't want to say everybody because there's, there's different opinions, but a lot of people are, are clamoring for making a move that brings back a first-round pick and brings back a prospect and, and, and uh, uh, that obviously would weaken their roster right now because you're taking away a top-flight player, but that really is based two, three, four years down the road. Do you get the sense the organization is ready to make those types of trades with some of the players in question here? Well, I think they're getting ready to make that, those moves. I, I don't think they're there yet. And I think, you know, in fairness, we're only 10 games in. Uh, I think they're going to give them another 10 games. And I think by then we really will have an idea if this season is already over. And it then is 100% time to start pulling the trigger on those sort of things and shopping guys around. And, you know, with the the insiders these days, you know, it won't be long until we start hearing about talks with guys being shopped to different cities. And it just inevitably gets out. And we haven't heard that yet because I don't believe they're being shopped openly right now. 
But boy, I think they're getting their ducks in a row, aren't they? You know, yep. by bringing up these kids and taking a look at them and seeing what they've got. And, you know, I, I think everyone in the city feels like the time is now to start doing it. And, 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 you know, I'm not prepared to sit here and say the ship has sailed on a Noah Hannafin deal or Elias Lindholm deal. Obviously, you know, as we've reported that the talks are on hold right now, that's the right thing to do. I think everyone agrees. 100% it is. Yeah. And, and, but, but it doesn't mean that like this, this has been a seesaw all along, right? Elias left last year and we're like, well, that's clearly, you know, he's gone. We'll never see him again. And then he comes to camp. He says, no, no, but I'm interested. And then we hear that, you know, the talks are actually still going on. Hannafin, we had that ship had sailed. We thought he was not coming back. And and he shows up at camp and says, you know what? Actually, I would come back. And now we hear the numbers are close. Like it's, it, it's, it's a never ending ongoing situation. And I don't think until this organization finally looks at each other and, in a boardroom and says, you know what? It's 20 games in and we're eight points out of a playoff spot or whatever the number is, it's time. You know, this is a grim reality we're facing. It's time for us to take a completely different tack for this organization. And then they start plotting that. Now, a crucial part of all this is going to be the conversation with ownership. Because if they're going to go in a radical new direction, that's something that needs to be approved by the owners. And when we say owners, we are talking about Murray Edwards for the most part. So, and I know in talking to Murray the odd time, he's still not convinced that the, the, the big blow up is, is what gets it done. Um, you know, there is evidence around the league, like people point to Buffalo where they've blown it up two or three times and it keep coming back and it, it looks like it's going to be better than ever. And it never is. So I don't think he's convinced at this point that that's the way to go. Maybe he'd be, into more of a retooling or a significant retooling, however you want to word it. But in terms of the blow it up and start from scratch, I, I, that, that Murray Edwards is not on board with that. In my opinion, I don't think that's happened yet, but again, things can change over the next 10 days or 10 well, games. And, and it's it, cause I'm, I'm with you. I think that they're kind of right now they're, they're at that crossroads, which means right now they're kind of in a, a weird pocket where I think they're, I, I like the words you use getting your ducks in a row, seeing what you've got with some of these young players, certain young players, seeing, you know, getting them into some NHL games and, and seeing how they can fare there. Um, and, and I think that they're, yeah, kind of in a spot where they're evaluating and getting ready to, to make those calls. And I, it's, I, I know a lot of people are very adamant that just tear it down, tear it down to the studs and, and go complete ground zero. And I, I understand that line of thinking, but realistically, I, no. I don't think in what you just said in, in having conversations with Murray kind of meshes with what a lot of people are, are kind of thinking. Like, would they, would they be willing to do that and go full on? But I even think if you don't do that, there's an opportunity here with players like Lindholm and Hannafin specifically, and even to a lesser extent, some of their other UFAs that they could move closer to the deadline where you could get a swack of assets and give yourself an opportunity to, to really go younger and reset and pivot, do it in a span of time that doesn't take eight, nine, ten years. I think that they could be in 
a very different situation in two or three years' time, depending on how they decide to approach some of these decisions and specifically franchise how they decide or, or what type of deals they decide to make if Noah Hannafin gets traded or if Elias Lindholm gets traded. You, you could really kickstart something pretty quickly with a couple of well-placed trades. Yeah, you sure could. I mean, you're going to get significant return for both of those two guys. Obviously, Lindholm tops the list. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know if you're looking at anything much more than a second rounder, like second rounder plus plus for guys like Tanev or Zadorov. Maybe those more third. I, I don't know. That's not my world. I'm not big on rumors, as you know, and all and speculation on that sort of front. But I obviously those guys all have value around the league. And, and, I, and I wonder, you know, I don't think it's going to be a complete blow, you know, because you're going to have those two contracts that there's no way you're moving those this year. There's just not, I'm not saying they're not movable ever, but they're not getting moved this year for a million reasons. Well, 17 and a half million reasons. <laughs> yeah. But you, you're not moving those guys yet. I mean, you can sweeten that down the road and maybe pay half of it. Or I still think Colorado might be interested in a guy like Kadri at some point with, if you sweeten the deal and throw things in. But anyway, at the end of the day, as long as you still have those two guys on the books, then it's not considered a complete, you know, teardown, in my opinion. Um, it would be a significant retooling. And I guess the question I'd ask you is, like, do you throw the baby out with the bathwater? Like, does Zadorov have to go? Like, he's very popular here. Yep. Uh, hey, all four of those guys are quite popular here, don't get me wrong. But, you know, Zadorov is a guy that, you know, I think does want to stay here through it all. Even if there is a rebuild, I sense that he would still stay here. Um, does do you feel like you, no? Too, he's too old. You got to get rid of him, or is he still serviceable enough and have enough of a runway where he'd be one of the few guys that you keep and teach young guys? I, I don't know. What do you think about that? He he would be the one that because you still have if if you are going to go in a different direction, you still need players. Like you still need to fill out a roster. So. Yeah. If they if they wanted to keep Zadorov, I'd have no problem with that. If they because you're right, he is an extremely popular player. Uh, he's kind of turned into our unofficial spokesman for the team, uh, yeah. whether whether he likes it or not. He's kind of put himself in that spot. Um, and and so yeah, if they were to sign him to a you know three or four year deal. At a, at a reasonable price, kind of similar to where he's at right now, I'd have no problem with that if if I'm the Flames. I I do think just because of his age, he'd be a he'd be a nice guy to have around if if indeed they were to go into uh, a different direction and if they were to to do some sort of rebuild or reload on the fly. I think having him around would be fine. Uh, I I don't like Tanev just makes a ton of sense to trade. You know, I've got, you, you see it all the time now. Vancouver Vancouver writers and pundits and fans are frothing at the the potential of bringing Tanev back to Vancouver at the deadline. Yep. People in Toronto are saying, well, what about Tanev to the Maple Leafs and Brad Trilliv and go get one of your, your old guys? And th Those are just two examples I can think of that Tanev's been linked to here, not by any insiders, just by pure speculation yep. over the last over the last like week. So I think he's a guy you would need to move, but I, I, I think that you're on to something that you could keep Zadorov around. Yeah, I, I, okay. I'm, it's interesting. I just I I hadn't really talked to a lot of people about it because, but because of this has all gotten out of control pretty quickly here. Um, you know, the talk was always if you're going to trade two guys, it's going to be those two big guys. But um, obviously, Tanev and Zadorov would have to be dealt with one way or the other uh, before season's end as well. So I, yeah, you know. Anyway, it's this is uh, as we. I, I, 
the word I use a lot lately is they're on the precipice. Uh, they could be on the precipice of a sig- significant uh, organizational shift. Yeah. And we don't know, and I don't think they know, how seismic that shift would be. That's really the only question left. And I, I guess that's not the only question left. The only, the biggest question is, you know, how they perform over the next 10 games. Like, I, it sounds crazy that games 10 through 20 would be that important. But for this organization and where they've gotten to this early in the season, they are potentially the most crucial 10 games of the season. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, because this is when you need to you need to make your decision as to what you're going to do in this stretch because you you may not make your big moves. You may not trade player A or B in the next month, but you make your call and say, okay, this is where we are and this is the way we're going to go, and then you can start going down that direction. So maybe sometime in December a trade can uh, can materialize for a big player. And, and so, yeah, I, I think that this next little bit is a really important stretch for Craig Conroy and company to really decide what direction they want to take the rest of this season. That's that's why I say it kind of feels like we're at that crossroads now. It's like, okay, here it is. Put up or shut up. Because uh, what Wes said this last week, I thought it was a really good way of putting it. Like, how often have we heard inside that room from Mackenzie Weger or Jonathan Huberdeau or Nazem Kadri or Michael Backlund or whatever name you want to throw out there where they've said, we think we're a good group. We love each other in here. We're a tight group. We think we can do something special. Well, they haven't done that for, you know, 90, 92 games now. So... You, this is the time where if you believe that can be the case, well, you might as well start proving it now or else it's going to become pretty clear to this management group what the what the right path forward is. Yeah, yeah. And, and even a 500, you know, stretch over the next 10, I'm not sure convinces anybody that things are different. I, I really don't know. I, I don't know what it would take for the mindset that's starting to set in to change and them to say, no, actually – Maybe we better give them another 20 games before we make a decision. I, yeah. I don't know. But but we'll, we'll see. I mean, injuries can play a role in all this. Uh, you know, the one thing I keep pointing out to people is that, you know, they really haven't played a lot of great teams yet. Uh, obviously, Dallas is a, you know, a major cup contender this year, and the Rangers are certainly looking like they are. But for the most part, like that five-game road trip out east, all five teams missed the playoffs last year. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I think they've only played one game against a Pacific Division team. Uh, you know, it's quite amazing to me that, you know, you haven't really played some of the toughest teams yet and your record's already this bad and you're struggling this bad with your, your with your mojo. And it just feels like Groundhog Day in there, doesn't it? Like, honestly, the same questions, like yeah. I'm out of questions. Like, I, you yeah. know, it, it, what do you ask? The same, it's the same question that's been asked for, like you said, 90 plus games here. And these guys don't have any better answer. And I, I'm not criticizing them for it i don't know how they stand there and deal with our questions every day anyway but it's there are no answers right now and all these guys can do for the next 72 games is talk about how they're optimistic and that they feel like this is the right crew you know at some point it becomes completely disingenuous but what else are they going to say they have to pretend they have faith yeah it's uh and, and you know we talked we talked coming into the season how a good start was just so crucial, crucial. for this. Crucial. This is the opposite of that. This did did you did you see it going this poorly to start no. the year? No, no, I didn't because I also thought the schedule set up favorably for them because they weren't a lot of juggernauts early on. 
because they had the early road trip, which we always talk about being a great bonding chance. I, I thought that, and I also thought, man, everything always comes back to the mean at some point, doesn't it? Like all those guys had bad seasons last year. Surely, surely half of them are going to bounce back at least. And really we've only seen one guy bounce back and that's the goalie. Yeah. And, and while that is the most important guy to bounce back, it's not enough. <laughs> you need at least half of those other guys to bounce back or, you know, it's, 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 uh, that got away from us quickly. <laughs> is that a, good way a line it. from Anchorman? That escalated quickly. You know, like this just got out of control very, very quickly. And I think it's taken a lot of people, even in the front office, by surprise. Yeah. I, I killed a man with a trident. Um, the, uh, the, <laughs> yes, the, it is. It's, it's, uh, it, it is... It is kind of alarming how quickly this thing has gotten away on them. So, yeah, it, it's uh, I, I don't I don't know if I saw it going quite like this either, but it might be long term. It might be the best thing for them. Um, the the yeah. last last big picture thing that I just wanted to bounce off of you, it's the Eric Francis hour on this Friday, November third. Is is Jonathan Huberto ever going to find it? Uh, and, and I've been I've taken a lot of heat myself for being kind of overly benefit of the doughty to him because, um, you know, I, I thought last year was a really difficult year for him personally and all the adjustment and all that type of stuff. So, I'm like, OK, let's let's see what happens in year two. And, and I I thought he got off to a pretty good start and, and I had some good things to say about him through three or four games. But. It's really dropped off from there. At least Kadri looked really good against Dallas, but that was another night where you just didn't see it from Huberdeau. Uh, how how worried are you that this doesn't ever really rectify itself and it never turns into close to what we thought it might be? Well, when you watch him, it's it, I said this a million times. It's so hard to see that this was a guy who got 115 points in the NHL because we see no semblance of a man who would be capable of doing something like that. Uh, unless he was playing with Gretzky and Messier. Like, I, we just don't see it. Um, now, that said, I'll remind you, as the whole city reminded me, do you remember a couple of years ago, I went on record saying there's no way Johnny Gaudreau will ever get back to 99 points in a season. I and do. I got eviscerated online for that. I mean, that was the year he got 115. But again, the previous two or three years, you know, 99 was his was his career high like three years earlier. The pre the year the two or three years after that, uh, refresh my memory. Was he getting sixty five points, sixty three points a year? Like, no sign of a guy who was a point of game player in the National Hockey League. And so then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he got one hundred and fifteen. And I shouldn't say out of nowhere. We knew he had incredible talent, but it just took the right line mates. We can't find a single player to play with Huberto right now. Yeah. Never, never mind a trio. Um, there's no duo that works with him. It, it's it's really hard to imagine this guy could be anything more than a point per game ever again. But eight years is a long time, Pat. Things change, line mates change. Maybe yeah. chemistry is found. I. It's also it, as all that being said, it's hard to believe that a guy who set an NHL record for most assists in the history of the NHL for a left winger in one season. It's hard to believe that this guy 
can't figure this out at some point. Yeah. So I, I think that he will figure it out at some point. I'm not saying he's ever going to get back to 115, but I'm not limiting him because <laughs> I don't want to get eviscerated again. All I'm saying is <laughs> it's really, you know, I like you, it's hard to, it's hard to fathom. I, but I do guarantee at some point he'll have a point of game season again. I, that much I could see happening. Yeah. I, I, I hope so. And I, I still think that I, mean, I don't think that you can go four straight years being well over a point per game like he was, mm-hmm. including the 115-point season, and then go to a new place and just not, not know how to be a good player anymore. Like I, I, I think he does too. He, there, there's too much ability there. There's too much history there. But, boy, it, it, it doesn't look like it's going in that direction right now. So No, not, it's not going in that direction for sure. The yeah. question is, at one point, what point does he turn it around to some degree? It yeah. could be years. It could be years. I don't know. And you feel for the guy, you know, I, I mean, I certainly sense that he's a guy who cares. You know, I, I, I sometimes there are players who are in a, in a spiral and that you don't feel like they care that much. They're not saying the right things or they're not giving you the right body language. This guy's wearing this quite heavily, and I think that's part of why he's struggling because he's wearing it. So, yep. you know, it, it's a it's a tough thing for him. I. I think a lot of people out there really feel for the guy because this is hard for him to fathom, let alone everybody else. We are uh, underway. It is uh, this hour of Flamestock. Uh, it is Friday, November 3rd, and uh, on Fridays, uh, one half of your Flamestock is also the Eric Francis Hour. We are well underway with it. Eric Francis from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca joins us on Fridays, and the Eric Francis Hour is brought to you by our friends at Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18-plus, Please play responsibly. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's your Friday Eric Francis hour. Eric Francis of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Conveniently on Twitter at Eric Francis. Uh, And Steinberg along with you. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. It's November 3rd. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we... uh, Franchise, if you if you go back to the preseason, if you go back to even the start of the regular season, you're in Pittsburgh when Matt Coronado scores his first NHL goal. I, did, did you expect eight games later for him to be in the American League? Because that's exactly where he is as we speak right now. He's already played his first American League game here at the Dome on Friday afternoon, scores the only goal in a one nothing Wranglers win over San Jose. And, and it, it looked so promising early on, but... I, I don't think that the narrative is or, or needs to be that, oh, well, it was so promising and then it wasn't. I just think that, at least in my eyes, this is part of the part of the development process for a young player. But I'm curious as to how you look at Matt Coronado being sent to the American League. Well, I think I think a lot of it's part of this, this decision right now to kind of contemplate a, a major pivot for the organization. I mean, it's an easy, easy one to do. We want to see more of these youngsters come up. Uh, and and test the test the waters in the NHL, and by the same token, you know we can afford to send a guy down to to you know big picture, you know get his game a little more in order. And I think that they're basically painting this like you know he's, he's played 19 games when you factor in Penticton, the preseason, and uh, and then the regular season. And I think that they think 
you know, Harvard's played one game so far. They played their first on, on Tuesday in an exhibition game before that. So it shows you how much more wear and tear he's gone through this year compared to any, you know, any of the previous two years. And I think they just feel like it's good for a reset. It's it's, it's kind of cliche and everything to say, just go down, go play a whole lot more minutes, get your confidence. Get your confidence up, yep. It was only, what, three weeks ago that he finished the preseason tied with Connor McDavid. I was looking at the standings today. And again, preseason scoring means nothing. I get it. But he had four goals and three assists, just like Connor McDavid, third in the National Hockey League. Like, that's a pretty good preseason. I mean, it's it's the best that you can really do. Yeah. And not that there was any question that he would start the season in the AHL. I mean, I guess it was a possibility. But that answered that. There was never a chance that we thought we'd probably see him in the AHL after that preseason. But then after the last, you know, eight games, uh, he is minus nine. Uh, the last game, he only played seven minutes, five yep. on five. They've kind of been sheltering him five on five. You know, he's played most of his almost, you know, played five minutes in uh, power play time. Other than that, you know, they need to see more from him. So I, I'm i okay with them setting it down. I, I think it's the right thing to do. Do you? I mean, I, I, don't, I can't see anyone who thinks that this is a terrible idea. It's going to ruin his confidence. They said that Definitely the conversations not. with him were positive. Yep. I spoke to Craig Conroy today about it. I spoke to the, We spoke to the coaches. Everybody seems to say the right things that, yeah, no, he understands why he's going down and what he has to do. And so far in his first game, he did it by getting the game-winning goal. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's just it. Like, you, you talk to the Flames, you talk to Craig, and it's like, no, no, this is not a permanent thing. In fact, I, I don't even think that they're looking at this as a long-term thing. I think it's something that they that play them in these two games this weekend. They already played the one. Play them Sunday afternoon against San Jose, and then reevaluate. Maybe he plays one more game. Maybe he doesn't play Tuesday against Nashville. Uh, and then you've got a three-game road trip out east. You know, he could very easily be back yeah. with the team then, right? Like, this is not a – not only is it not a permanent thing, it's not even like a two or three month thing. I, th- I think this is just a, a mental reset. Get him change of scenery, a little bit of a, a, a different role, get the confidence back and see if once he comes back to the NHL, that can't kickstart or jumpstart him back to closer to where he was even early the first three, four games of the regular season. And, and I don't think you do anything like this to humble a guy, but I, I think it has that effect. I mean, I think it can remind you you know, not that this guy's work ethic is a problem or, or his attitude or anything, but I think, I don't think he saw this coming. Um, just in him talking after the game today, after the Wranglers game. Yeah. He did seem a little, like he didn't really want to talk about it that much. He didn't seem all that comfortable with it. I think he's a proud guy. And I think he sees this as a bit of a slap in the face, even though he's, you know, probably going to take it the right way, but still deep down. Deep down, it's a demotion. The word demotion is negative, right? So he, he he's not going to – I don't think he likes it. He probably understands the reasoning. And I think that could fuel him too. So I, I agree with you. I think he could easily be back on that road trip, that three-game road trip out east. But the other thing right now is if Connor Zeri has a game like he did the other night, yeah, he's not budging from this this lineup. There's no way he's budging from this lineup. And and if if – Pospisil can inject some energy and maybe have some success. Same thing. It's going to be one of these merit, merit-based uh, lineups. I think they, you know they've always said that if you earn it, we'll give you a spot a lineup. If you don't earn it, we'll take you out of the lineup. And this is an example of exactly what they've been saying they were going to do. Yep. Do you, uh, let, let's let's talk, Zary. I can't remember. Well, I, I can, but it's been a long time since a debut for a player 
a first game for a first round pick like that has has been that exciting. Like he was he was electric at times against oh, yeah. Dallas. He scored the goal, which was awesome, and then that that almost goal that he scored to tie it in the third period, where he busted off the left wing, made the couple moves, and got robbed what by Jake move. Ottinger. Like what? Yeah. What? A, like we would have been that would have been goal of the year for the Flames. Would have been goal of the year yeah. in April. Would have been goal of the year in November. Like that. I, 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 Johnny Gaudreau scored in his first NHL game. Um, I remember uh, Sam Bennett had a pretty good first NHL game, but it's been a while since a player who debuted brought that much excitement to Flames fans, and, and especially in this building here at the Saddledome. I was surprised at that stat, wasn't you? That he's the 27th player to score in his Flames debut? That that That's a... I don't know... I. I don't think I would have guessed the number to be that high. Now, huh. it's not a player to make his NHL debut as a flame who scores his first goal. Like just flame someone debut, who, period. Yeah, so I guess it, that number shouldn't surprise you. But I just I, I didn't think it'd be that high. But Ben, I know uh, that Ben I, Hanowski is one of those players. And do you remember who the last guy was who scored in his Flames debut? Yeah. Uh, was it Coleman? No, I, sorry, maybe it was. And and maybe that stat is of the twenty seven of of players making their NHL debut as a flame. I don't flame. know. Okay, okay, it might be. But Patrick Seeloff is the answer to the. Oh, that's the question. right. I did see that. I did see that that they put that. Yeah, I remember Patrick Seeloff scored that 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 little bounce shot on the road in Minnesota uh, in like twenty sixteen. That game uh, kind of pushed them out of a, a spot where they would have won the potentially would have won the lottery and could have drafted Patrick Line. Instead, they ended up <laughs> drafting uh, Matthew Kachuk that year. I remember now vividly because Winnipeg won the lottery that year oh, wow. and, and Calgary didn't, and Winnipeg and Calgary switched last minute because of that Patrick Seeloff game-winning goal. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So, anyway, you're right. It, was a, it, it wasn't just the goal because the goal was uh, a product of a fortuitous couple of bounces. No yep. question about it, but he was driving the net. He was doing the right thing, but it was, you know, six shots on goal. He drew a penalty with five minutes to go. He was out there on the ice for the bulk of the final two minutes. Uh, he had that incredible move around Hockenpah, and he almost beat Ottinger, who's going to win a, a, a Vesna at some point. Like, it, everything about what he did that night was electric. Now, is he going to continue that? Is he going to be the star of the game tomorrow night? I don't think anyone's expecting that, but as long as he can – be a difference maker in terms of, you know, having some impactful shifts, having some scoring chances. That's all they're looking for. And I don't think there's a person in the city who's not cheering for him. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it was neat to see good on him. And, and hopefully he's able to just continue getting more NHL games. He's earned himself the game in Seattle. So earn yourself Tuesday against Nashville, so on and so forth. And then that, that brings us to, the Martin Pospisil story is pretty cool. I know that you asked him a couple questions on Friday morning uh, about the injuries, and, and he, I, I don't know if you would have asked him a year or two ago that he was going to get this opportunity and, and debut in the NHL on a line with uh, Michael Backlund as his center and Blake Coleman on the other side. I, I don't know if he would have seen it because those injuries really, really derailed a good chunk of his development for a few years there. Listen, this guy... It's a neat story because I don't think even pretty significant, you know, really engaged Flames fans really thought this guy was ever going to play in the NHL. 
you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying people gave up on him, but it's what, once you hear a name in the minors for three or four years, you start to say, yeah, well, and all these other guys get promoted ahead of him. You think, well, maybe he's done, but the last preseason game, I actually thought he was really, really good, but by then it was too late. You know, he hadn't had a good enough camp to, to have stuck around, obviously. But he's had a great camp. They said he's been the best player on the Wranglers this year. The injuries. So over the last four years, he's missed more games than he's played. And that's that's just that. Well, I was going to say it's unfortunate, but it's also a product of the way he plays the game. You'll see this guy. I mean, I, the, the famous line from Brad Tree Living was, this guy could find trouble in a church. Uh, the, the, when he played in the USHL, his first year, the year the Flames drafted him, he had 49 games played. I think he had 253 penalty minutes. Yeah. Those are 1980s numbers. Tim Hunter, you know, Theo Fleury, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jim Poplinski, right? Like, how do you even pull that off in the USHL of all places? And then he went a couple of years later, they, they loaned him over to what, the Slovakian League, and he had four penalty minutes per game or five penalty minutes per game there to lead the league there. So he's got that... Uh, he can be a spit disturber, and uh, <laughs> he, he he can. Uh, oh boy, he di- he disturbs a lot of shirt. Yes, there you go. He's <laughs> he really is. Um, he can be annoying, but he also has some skill too, right? He's a point every half game. Uh, uh, you know, so I I think we're all just like the organization, just want to see what he is all about. And he's a humble guy. He it's one of those beautiful moments. I Pat, we were talking about this last week when Solovyov made his debut. Everybody walked out of the dressing room that day just with a massive grin on their face because we all yeah. love seeing a guy and he's so excited and he's telling you about the phone call and he's calling his parents and there's tears. And in this case, he's talking about his brother and now he's his favorite player in the world and his, you know he's helped him through so much and his brother's a good player too, uh, plays pro. So uh, it's, uh, it's going to be neat. It's going to be great. And I, you know, I'm not sure the expectations are really high for anyone, but uh, good on him for getting his chance. Yeah, I'm 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 excited to see how it plays out too, and and yeah, he uh, I he missed I four months last year. He missed yeah. four months. He only played like, twenty games last year. Yeah, yeah. And the year before that, he got off to a really good start. Was he? I think he had like fourteen games played, eleven points. It was like okay, this guy's finally putting it together. And then he got hurt again. So yeah, it you know. But in some of those cases, the injuries come from being such a rough and tumble player. And maybe that's something he needs to kind of watch a little more to be a little more careful, <laughs> but, uh, but they, that's the way they like him. The uh, one well, and, and Saturday in Seattle, don't be surprised if you see a, a veteran member of the Kraken or two trying to just absolutely tear this guy's throat out because he, he, mm-hmm. he gets under like, cause he plays on the edge and he, he's the type of guy that like veterans will be like, what? You're in your first NHL game. Who are you? What are you doing? What like that's the type of that's the type of way he's wired. So I'm really like he had he and Mackenzie Weger were going toe to toe at practice earlier on Friday, and and to the point that Weger slammed his stick on the glass. You're like, okay, this guy this guy does not have an off switch. So I'm curious to see how it plays out for him. And it, you know, the to to go back even to the start of the hour. And we're talking about the Flames giving young players an opportunity, recalling players and getting them into the lineup. Like, Craig Conroy said it in his introductory news conference. He said, 
We want to be younger. And that was the thing that when you tweeted it out and I tweeted it out, that, that was the thing that got the most responses. Like, we want to be younger next year. We want to give young players more of a chance. And I remember talking to him in Penticton. He joined us on one of our pregame shows. And I just asked him, like, are you going to go down the PTO route? Are you going to bring in some veterans? He said, you know what? No, because we said we were going to do something and we want to follow through on it. And here we are 10 games into the start of the regular season franchise. There's not been a lot of positive with this Flames team, but one of the positives is they, they followed through on something they said they were going to do. And, and through 10 games, we, we've got plenty of proof that they are indeed making room for younger players and giving them a chance to succeed here. And that's what the fans want. And not that you always give the fans what they want because – because they don't make the decisions, but this city is clamoring for, you know, youthful injections and 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 just exciting new prospects. And whether they they're they're busts or not, uh, let's just see them. You know, people were so frustrated and still are frustrated by the Matthew Phillips situation. And I know Craig Conroy is pushing very hard for Daryl to play Matthew Phillips to no avail. And you know he very much would still like to have Matthew Phillips in this organization playing. He'd be playing regularly right now. Guaranteed he would be. Um, but because the, the organization did not extend itself and give this kid a chance, yep. nobody in the world blamed him for signing somewhere else. And, you know, so uh, you have to take a look at what you've got right now. Right now you're an open book and you need to know because you're going to start wheeling dealing soon. And boy, some of these kids, not, not that you're going to trade any of these kids. You want to keep them, but you want to know what you have so that you know the holes you have to fill and the ones you don't have to fill. Um, it's the uh, Eric Francis Hour for Alberta Horse Racing, and Horse Racing Alberta, rather, uh, and franchise joining us here from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Lots of flame stock, but we, we do have to – what did you call it on your, on your when you tweeted it out? i got to go look at it now because it was, it was uh, perfectly put by you. You called it um, on the Eric Francis Hour um, – we will talk about watching gluttonous greatness last night. And, of course, that was Joey Chestnut, the GOAT, the best of all time, the number one ranked world competitive eater, was at the Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out at Cowboys Dance Hall, and he absolutely murdered everybody in the pizza eating contest. Just, uh, it's, it's story time franchise, and it's a pizza pig out story time. Take it wherever you like. You know, this guy... I mean, because he's the greatest at what he does, the greatest ever, he's carved his own, paved his own path in this life. This guy makes like over $500,000 a year U.S. doing this full time now. And when I picked him up to take him to the morning show yesterday, the first thing he told me was, man, it's, this is a great city. He'd been here once before, but he said, it's a great city. The first thing I did is I went and got some poutine. Cause that's what you do when you get to Canada. Like this guy's passion for food knows no bounds. Like he just can't help himself. And I, the guy was the most engaging. I found him to be that on the radio. And then when we picked him up and last night, he had time to talk to everybody. He was asking them questions. He had time for everybody in that entire room. Uh, everyone was thrilled to meet him. Everyone was just gobsmacked by what he did. 23 slices in two minutes. And I don't care how big those slices are. It, it, that's that's ridiculous. The five champions that he went up against combined for 21 slices. So it was close. But he didn't mail it in. That's my point. This guy is for real. And when we did the Timbit eating contest in the morning with the boys, he had 31 Timbits in one minute. Like, he's not joking around. Nope. And then with the pizza, he could have easily just mailed it in. But no, 
he like gave it his all and then I stayed with him in the bar so he would have what time would he have eaten right around 7 30 we did the contest and I left Joey at the bar at 1 30 in the morning at Cowboys uh this morning and that guy was still go 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 to the point where I said you keep going I'm going home you go and he had a 7 a.m flight this morning but it didn't matter he was still just loving chatting with people drinking beers and having a good time like this guy is an absolute legend in every way and he helped us raise a ton of money for kids sport he was the cherry on top of our best pizza pig out ever here we are 21 years in and i'm telling you it's the best one we ever had that's awesome it was sold out early uh the money we raised we won't know the final total till next week but it's going to be large and uh, the the donations the generosity from everybody involved was just insane so again thank you anybody who showed up I'm always so heartened for anyone who's a first-timer. They always come over and they'll gush about, oh, my God, I'll never miss another one. This is so great. I mean, it's unlimited pizza while mingling with, like, a who's who of the Calgary sports community. Like, what's what's wrong with that, right, for 65 bucks, It's pretty good fun. So, again, thank you for coming and broadcasting and spreading the good word. And uh, I, I can't thank Joey enough for what he did for the event. Uh, and so now you got. So what are you going to do to top it for next year? Like, what, what yeah. have, you, have you started brainstorming? What What are we talking about? Look, I'm still in a fog from last night, so I, I haven't really put my brain to anything. And anyone who reads my column today will will see that. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I'm talking about uh, having to dig deep to figure out. Like we we hadn't really brought in guests before. One year we had a sign spinning competition that was kind of funny. Uh, those kids who spin the signs outside of the pizzerias yeah. and stuff. Uh, that was really funny, but, uh, this, this was the first time I ever reached out and grabbed this guy, but like, who else are you going to grab unless Kobayashi is willing to come out of retirement, uh, his arch nemesis. I don't think there's anybody out there who I, and I don't even think I could do that to Joey. I think, you know, I have so much respect for Joey. I don't think I'd, I'd reach out and get Kobayashi because they still don't like each other that much. So I, I, if anybody has any ideas on who we should bring in for the pizza pig, please let me know. It's cause I I'm stumped right now. Like, can you, I'm trying to think, like, can you get Joe Pizza Hut or, like, I'm trying to think, like, who you could bring in that has a, a name in the pizza world. I well, got to, uh, I got to brainstorm on that. You did see one character up there last night who I'm going to insist is, is back next year. He bought his way into the, the contest. He paid, I think, 250 bucks to be the fifth guy in the contest. He was dubbing himself Pizza Pete. He looked like Hulk Hogan. He was dressed in a in a, a yellow unitard. Saw him. It was fantastic. Like, I got to put a photo online. Like, it, it was, the guy was amazing. He had the handlebar mustaches like Hulk and, and, the, and the bandana. And he had won Paul's, Paul's Pizzas out in Airdrie. He had won their title in 2020. I guess they had a competition of some sort. He had the belt. And uh, this guy came in, you know, with a little bit of, uh, he had some swagger to some him. Swag, yep. And he was quickly humbled by it all, but he was still thrilled to be part of it. But so, but I'd love to have him be – he'll definitely be there next year. Pizza Pete, you rocked it, buddy. Good job. So when do we uh, – when do you find out the uh, – like when do you tally all the donations and, and when do we find out what this year's event ended up raising for our uh, good buddies over at Kidsport? It's, it's always just unbelievable when you give me the final number. You're like, holy, you raised that much eating pizza – but it's such an awesome event. It's turned into a, a a circle the date on the calendar type event. And I said this to you in private, um, and and so you you know I'm not blowing smoke when I say this. Like, 
I don't know, outside of the Flames Poker Tournament, outside of the Flames Golf Tournament, like this is the one. This is this is one of the Calgary fundraising success stories over the last two decades. You do a hell of a job, buddy. So uh, I, I know that you always are thanking everybody else and everybody who puts it together, but you, you've built a hell of a thing. You should be proud of it, man. Well, thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. I am proud of it. And uh, the numbers, you know, yeah, we're going to, we, we raised a lot of money, like tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars, Bill. We'll, we'll, we'll have that number next week. But uh, one last thing that we still have to tabulate too are all the judges' votes. I mean, people vote on these pizzas and, and these pizzerias, you know, I really hope anybody went to the pizza pig out and even people who didn't, when you see the results come out, because we have the results for all the best pizzas, it'll be on the website, ericfrancispizzapigout.com. If you go there, that's your definitive guide to, to ordering your next pie. That's that's where it's at. And these people are donating all these pies so that we can raise money to help kids get off the sidelines and play sports. So they're the real champs in this whole thing. And we need to support all these pizzerias that support the pizza pig out. So please go to that list at, at that website and, and order your next pizza or two or 10 uh, off that website because it's been heavily vetted. The people that are winning these contests are significantly better than the others. And, and, and we want them to be uh, rewarded as such. So, so please support, uh, support all the wonderful people that support our community. Uh, the website is Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out. Dot com. Uh, the 23rd annual Eric Francis Pizza Pigout is in the books. Cannot wait for number 24 next fall. Uh, we'll take a one-week hiatus on the Eric Francis Hour, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Pal, have yourself a great weekend. Hey, we'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you in a few days. Thanks, my man. Hope you're feeling better. You too. Uh, That's Eric Francis. That's the Eric Francis Hour as we start to wrap up this hour on Flames Talk. It'll be available for you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts, or you might be listening wherever you get your podcasts right now. Thanks to Eric Francis on Twitter at Eric Francis. Uh, Great stuff at the uh, 2023 Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out. Thanks to Azam and Taylor, our producers as well. And the Eric Francis Hour is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit the horse's Dot com 18 plus please play responsibly